Ahoy, Rom Criminals. This is Avrin. That would be the crime half of the Rom Crime duo. I am not with Vanya tonight, which is uh, something we're trying out for a little bonus content. We're doing Rom Crime Calm Time episodes with Vaughn and Rom Crime Crime Time. That's so hard to say. Episodes with me. And uh, here we go. This is our first one. It is currently, while I'm recording this, Oscar Sunday. I just finished watching the Oscars. So, of course, that's on my mind. And it's weird not having someone to talk to about it. Normally, I feel like Vaughn and I would be doing a little back and forth. And I'm looking forward to uh, her next episode of Mike and Vanya Can't Not, because I have no doubt that coverage will be awesome. Mike is so good with the movie stuff. He sees everything. I only saw three of the Oscar-nominated movies this year. I saw Top Gun Maverick, because you know we covered it on uh, on Rom Crime. I saw uh, The Banshees of Inishirin, or Inishirin? Um, Inishirin, I think. I just watched it, actually, a few days ago, and it was fantastic. It was weird and bleak and funny and awesomely, like, the performances were amazing. And I saw everything, everywhere, all at once. So... I guess I really saw the only movie you needed to see. Um, If you didn't watch the Oscars, that one won everything. And so it was so beautiful to see. I have to say, like, I think my two favorite speeches, they were right off the bat. It was the first award, the best supporting actor and actress. And Kei Kwan, who you might remember from Goonies and Indiana Jones, won best supporting actor. And his speech made me cry and I don't know. It was just so exciting. And then Jamie Lee Curtis, man. If you listen to the show at all, you know, I'm the I'm the crime. I'm the horror movie lover. I'm the I'm the dark to Vanya's light. And when she basically shouted out and dedicated the Oscar to all of the people who love the types of movies she made, I have to say I felt pretty special. I was like, yes. Also, I want her life like your husband is Christopher Guest, like the funniest human being alive. And you make horror movies for a living and you're just a badass fucking woman who wins your first Oscar at this stage in your career. I don't know. It was very exciting. I love that. I'm like, I'm just going to talk about the Oscars, even though I told you this was a crime, a crime time. But I just watched them and it was it was pretty good. Uh, Let's see. What else did I think? Um, I really loved Angela Bassett's dress. And then I also really loved Jennifer Connelly's dress those were like my two favorites and what other moments did I really like sorry this is we, this is where normally I'd be bantering with Vaughn I feel I'm feeling very self-conscious doing this by myself but um I know you guys are out there and I love you and I'm I'm just gonna go for it let's see Jimmy Kimmel did good I thought the amount of Oscar slap jokes was right on the money not too many uh not too few totally addressed it I heard a lot of sirens and like helicopters. I live in Los Angeles, which is where they hold. I'm not close to where they hold the Academy Awards, but I thought it was interesting that the whole time the ceremony was going on, I had my little sliding glass door open and it was an unnatural amount of like police helicopter action and sirens. And I was curious about how that lined up or if it lined up. It probably didn't. But anyway, um, if you all watched, I hope you enjoy. I'm currently waiting for my hubs to get home so that we can watch the last episode of The Last of Us on HBO, which if you're not watching, stop listening and go check it out. It's so much fun and unbelievably entertaining. It's so good. I love it so much. But now to the crime. 
So because I was watching the Oscars and because I'm me, I was like, I wonder if anybody who's won an Oscar has ever been involved with or the victim of a crime. So I just Googled, has an Oscar winner ever committed murder? And uh, I guess maybe not unshockingly, the Oscars have been going on for almost 100 years now. So the likelihood that not a single person ever nominated has done something bad is, is small. But I was surprised to find that there is, in fact, an Oscar winner from one of the major categories that although it wasn't like he committed murder and then won an Oscar, he won an Oscar and then committed murder, which I think tracks. Um, but I found this story and I'd never heard it before. So I thought that I would share it with you. So we're going to go all the way back to the Academy Awards for 1969, which were presented on April 7th of 1970 at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in Los Angeles. And this was, in fact, the second year that the Oscars were televised worldwide. So this is the early days when the Oscars had just started to be on the TV. And uh, the winner for Best Picture that year was Midnight Cowboy, which is apparently the only X-rated film in the history of the Academy Awards to win Best Picture. And I don't think I knew that Midnight Cowboy was X-rated. So check that one out if you haven't. Uh, John Wayne won the only Oscar of his entire career that year as Best Actor for his role as Rooster Cogburn in True Grit, which I never saw, but I did see the remake and I loved the remake. Uh, It was good. Uh, Maggie Smith won Best Actress from the prime of Miss Jean Brody. And this is the year that Goldie Hawn won Best Supporting Actress for Cactus Flower, which I think, you know, was like maybe her first movie. She was doing that TV show and laughing and she was very young and all of a sudden boom out the gate winning oscars and then the oscar for best supporting actor went to gig young for his performance as rocky which who was the sleazy and manipulative promoter of a depression era dance marathon and they shoot horses don't they which was a movie starring jane fonda now gig young was a very steady character actor he worked all the time over three decades worth of work in Hollywood. And he had, um, on top of that, an honorable war record in the Coast Guard. So Gig was born Byron Barr. He moved to Hollywood from Washington, D.C. shortly after high school on the condition that he pay half his friend's gas budget to get there, which I love. That sounds like a very fair deal to draw up. And then whilst uh, attempting to break into the biz, he worked as a used car salesman, which also I'm like actor used car salesman it tracks like you got to be able to sell you got to be able to sell some junk sometimes you know you know what I'm saying (laughs) Uh, sorry I digress anyway um, he worked as a used car salesman until he got a scholarship uh, to the prestigious Pasadena Playhouse and then from there he got a contract with Warner Brothers which I'm like I don't know obviously Vanya and I talk about this all the time we are, we're still actors. Uh, I think we pursue it a little less vigorously and a little less professionally these at this state. But um, I just love back in the day how it's like you worked at a theater company and then you got a contract with a major movie studio. So bring that back. Anyway, I lost my place in my notes. I'm finding it. Okay. Now, it was a film from 1942 called The Gay Sisters where he played a character named Gig Young. So before that, this was his fourth movie, he went by his given name, which was Byron Barr. 
But then after this movie where he played the character Gig Young, he was like, that's it. That's my name. That's my stage name. And so uh, he began going by Gig Young. And in fact, in the film, they had in the credits, it was like, and now introducing, or maybe it was the film after. It would make more sense. After he adopted that name, it was not his first film, but they did the whole end introducing Gig Young in that part of uh, whatever movie came after. Okay. And I found it. All right. So in addition to his steady career, Young was also a charming presence to the public. He was great on a talk show. He was one of Johnny Carson's favorite guests, as well as uh, being a host of a pseudo talk show that uh, Warner Brothers launched. I don't know what a pseudo talk show is. I'm assuming just not a daily or nightly situation, like a once in a while or a I don't know. I'll look it up and I'll get back to you on that uh, in a later episode. But winning the Best Supporting Oscar would be the highlight of Gig's career. And it was a moment that he truly hoped and believed would catapult him from, you know, the kind of best friend of the guy who never gets the girl. It's always his best friend who gets the girl type character. So like the supporting roles um, that this would kick him up to leading man. But as time went on, he seemed unable to... uh, Cross that bridge. And this kind of led, he had a lot of inner turmoil. A lot of friends described him as constantly trying to feel fill the emptiness inside him, which I think a lot of, not just actors, I think people can relate to that. Like wanting, you know, anytime there's that that sense of loneliness or failure, you, you just want to fill it up with things that make you feel good. And for Gig Young, that was booze, maybe some drugs, but mostly booze. So uh, he hit the bottle Oh, really, really hard as the years went by after his Oscar win and he wasn't he wasn't moving. He was kind of just moving laterally career wise. He was not he was not becoming the main character. He was no Cary Grant. You know what I'm saying? And um, in addition to alcohol and potentially drugs, he attempted to find fulfillment in his relationships, of which the man had many. So Gig was married five times over the course of his life. His first marriage ended while he was, as I mentioned earlier, he also had a a good war record in the Coast Guard. So while he was away at war, his first uh, marriage came to an end. And his second wife, um, she died, sadly, from cancer, but natural causes. But his third wife, to Elizabeth Montgomery, who was the star of Bewitched, It ended amid accusations of domestic violence. And then the end of his fourth marriage to Elaine Young, who would turn into like a very prolific real estate broker agent in the 70s. When their marriage dissolved, he seemed to kind of devolve into this weird place of paranoia. He basically disowned his daughter and tried to prove he wasn't her father and he was, uh, but it was weird. It's like he he just became this very paranoid, you know, dark person after the end of his fourth marriage. And at this time, he's clearly, he's exhibiting signs of some, you know, like mental stress, potentially illness. And so he sought professional help. And unfortunately, he decided to go with the therapist to the stars. I feel like right there, Anybody who's like, I'm the therapist to the stars, like, that's not going to be a good doctor. This man's name was Eugene Landy, and he's actually best known for sabotaging uh, the recovery of Brian Wilson, the beach boy, 
and eventually did in the 90s have his license revoked for being a shitty fucking therapist. But uh, he was Giggs therapist in the 60s. And during this time, in addition to alcohol and women, uh, he developed an addiction. Gig, that is not the doctor. Gig developed a Valium addiction. And possibly that was a result of a therapist not administering the amount of medicine correctly. So basically, it's possible that his, you know, psychiatrist like got him hooked on Valium because he was a shitty psychiatrist. So after the Oscar and the, you know, the types of roles aren't getting better and the relationships keep failing, he's devolving, right? His alcohol, drug use and other undisclosed issues, uh, they become visible enough that he's no longer in demand. Producers are not super keen or eager to hire him anymore. And there's one big moment. It's probably the biggest moment. You know, lots of times people chronicle like the downfalls of celebrities, like the crash and burn, the fall from, you know, grace or whatnot. So he was cast. Originally, this guy, Gig Young, was cast in Blazing Saddles, the Mel Brooks comedy that, you know, cult fucking following classic film, wonderful movie. He was a he was the original um, the Waco kid who Gene Wilder would later you know, make a super famous character out of. But on day one of shooting, Gig passed out on set and had to be like taken by ambulance off off of the set of Blazing Saddles. Now, the story going through Hollywood was that he was so drunk that he like fell and collapsed or that he was experiencing alcohol withdrawal when he was taken by ambulance. Now, according to his personal recorded diaries, which I do want to mention here because this comes back a little bit later, he kept meticulous diaries. Like every day, what he did, where he went, what he was up to, like every, it was very meticulous and it was very specific. And in his diaries, he said that he um, he had been having an epileptic episode. So possibly he had some physical illnesses on top of addiction issues and some, you know, mental health issues that could, you know, maybe explain some of his strange behavior. All right. Let's go to wife number five. While uh, working in Hong Kong in a, on a Bruce Lee film called Game of Death, Gig, who was now 64 years old, met a beautiful 31-year-old German magazine editor named Kim Schmidt, And they had a whirlwind romance and were married on September 27th of 1978. Then, just three weeks later, on October 19th, 1978, around 2.30 p.m. in his New York City apartment, Gig Young shot a bullet into the back of his new bride's head. He followed this by firing one into his own. It was uh, an employee of the building where he lived who heard the shots, but it was five hours later that the police arrived and discovered the bodies. And it should be noticed, since I clearly made this Oscar-themed, that uh, Giggs' Oscar statue, is it statue or statuette, was lying very closely to his body on the floor where he fell after he died by suicide. Now, to further confuse people, as I mentioned, big habit of recording everything going on in his life. So people were hoping they'd be able to find some clues here. Like why, what led him to this? Was there a specific instance? He had been uh, interviewed for magazines and he'd been um, in a segment on a, like a news program all within 
like short time before this and he seemed like his normal gregarious you know movie star guy and strangely when they found his diary the last entry that had been made in it was on September 27th with just the words we got married today and then he never wrote in his diary again for three weeks before taking the life of his wife and himself and so of course that really kind of deepened the mystery for people. As far as police could tell, this was clearly a murder-suicide. No motive could be discovered, but they were able to determine that it did not seem to be a premeditated act. You know, there was no... They couldn't find any evidence that he'd been planning to do this. It seemed kind of like he just walked into his apartment one day. Nobody knows what happened earlier that day to bring him to this place with a gun and murdered his wife and then took his life. And no one has ever figured it out. It is still a mystery to what exactly happened. And that is the story of the Oscar winner who became a murderer. And my first rom-crime, crime time. I love you all. Um, Our next episode, Vanya and I will be back together. We've got some really fun episodes. things coming up and I think our next one's going to be very exciting we're doing something a little different that we haven't done yet so stick around and stay tuned for that I love you rom criminals and we will see you next Tuesday bye thank you for listening to rom crime with Avrin and Vanya episodes arrive every other Tuesday so be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on all things Rami and crimey you can also follow us on Instagram at rom crime Or email us movie and true crime suggestions at romcrimepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening.